The podcast for the inquisitive diver. Hey there, dive buddies, and welcome to the show. Did you ever wonder where the term tech diving came from? Well, my next guest was completely oblivious to anything beyond open water diving when he first became certified way back in 1976. However, he became the guy to coin the phrase. Michael Menduno has been diving and reporting on technical diving since 1990 when he founded the Aquacore magazine and its sister publication, Technical Diver. A reporter, technologist, and a member of the board of directors for the Historical Diving Society, Michael is the editor-in-chief of Global Underwater Explorers online magazine, In-Depth. He is also a contributing editor for Dan Europe's Alert Diver and X-Ray magazine, and he also writes for Deeper Blue. And to top it off, Michael also worked with Captain Billy Deans to set up the first tech diving center in the world, based in Key West, which became a global mecca for tech diver training. Michael, welcome to the show, sir. How are you after Oztech? I'm assuming with all this lot, you're going straight back into the editorial driving seat. Oh, I am. No, we, uh, having a monthly magazine is, uh, you know, a taskmaster. You have to <laughs> stay. Who, who thought of doing it monthly? I don't know. I, I did. Crazy. Yeah. But uh, so that has kept me busy. And uh, we're in the process, of course, of rolling out Rebreather Forum 4, which will be held next April in Malta, mm-hmm. an industry and scientific symposium. So I've been working hard on that to get that all put together and get our new website up and, and prepare for DEMA. Uh, which is coming up in two weeks. So. Yeah, so right. I've been busy. Right. Yeah, too right. <laughs> right. Are you are you are you doing any kind of presentations at Dima, or uh, have you got stand um, there? I'm I'm court. Yeah, well, I'm coordinating. We're I'm a board member with the Historical Diving Society, and we mm-hmm. are awarding the Pioneer Award this year posthumously to Sheck Exley. Okay. You know, legendary cave diver. Uh, so we have a big exhibit that we've put together, a historical cave diving exhibit with some of Sheck's red dry suit and uh, Goodman belly bag and Dr. X deco program and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll be doing uh, on the tech floor. Uh, we'll be, I'll be coordinating. Well, it's supposed to be a, a talk about Czech, but I, we're, we have a little video to show and then we're going to make it more stories by people who knew Czech. Okay. So, uh, I'm kind of gathering the people who knew him and we'll all be able to share some anecdotes and stuff like that. And then that night, uh, the, the second day of Dima, um, yeah, second day, uh, will there'll be the Nogi Awards and that's where this uh, presentation will be made. So. Happy yeah. days. So, uh, yeah, definitely keeping yeah. you busy then. Hey, we should back it up a little bit and just let the listeners know who the hell you are, because uh, obviously you've been <laughs> known in the tech world and over that side of the world especially, but uh, down here in Oz, uh, you're a dude from California. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> dude from California, yes. uh, Well, I self-identify as a journalist. I've been writing and a journalist for a long time, 30, yeah. 40 years now, going on 30 years. Um, I got started, actually my writing career got started around the same time as my diving career. So my, the first story I ever published was a diving story and I just kind of kept at it from there. Uh, published a magazine called Aquacore back in the 1990s, Aquacore, the journal for technical diving. Mm. And in fact, uh, we coined, I, I coined the term technical diving. We needed something to call it. And uh, high tech diving didn't really fit and advanced diving didn't really fit. So technical uh, from technical climbing. I had uh-huh. some friends who are rock climbers. Uh, so I've done that, uh, launched the tech conferences. We're, we're seeing some of those today, OzTech and 
Eurotech and Baltic Tech. Well, the original tech conferences were in the, we, I did them in the States and then we did one over in the UK. Yeah. Actually with Bernard Eaton in conjunction with the, uh, uh, BSAC show. Uh, and then one over in Asia, uh, with eight, or before ADEX with Asian Diver. So kind of got that going. And then also back in the day, that was rebreathers were just coming into the sports market. Mm. So we launched the rebreather forum to get the industry and science people together to look at rebreather technology and how, how, how we are going to adopt this for our own without, you know, hurting too many people in the process. Yeah. So, um, and that continued the rebreather form one and two. There was a third one about a decade ago that I didn't put on. And now I'm putting on a rebreather form four, okay. helping to organize it. So, and I'm a tech diver, cave diver, tech diver, uh, back from the early days when mixed gas was just coming into the market back in the late eighties, uh, early 1990s. So, well, let's, let's talk, yeah, let's, so let's, let's talk about just, just be careful with your, um, banging on the table there, mate. It's just coming through on the microphone. It's, uh, yeah, you're an animated Italian and it's coming through on your desk. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm just, exactly. My hands speak for themselves. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, I, I used to do it all the time. I, I tend to grip myself out to, just to stop myself doing it. Um, so back in, um, right, right at the start, actually, how the hell did you get into diving? Let's go there. Mm, mm. I um, grew up watching Jacques Cousteau and uh, Mike Nelson of Sea Hunt, so I was always motivated by you know about the ocean. Mm. I, I grew up in uh, near a lake, Lake Michigan. I didn't learn to dive when I was a youngster, but I learned to swim. I was an avid swimmer, and it wasn't until I came out to graduate school at Stanford, out in California, where we have the lovely uh, Monterey Bay world class diving, mm. uh, that. I, I decided to, uh, that I needed to learn to dive. And I still, I still remember my first breath underwater on a regulator at Brawley's pool in Redwood City. And it was like, Oh my God, this is so <laughs> cool. I, I mean, I still remember it to this day. Uh, and that just hooked me. Um, the night before my open, my open first open water dive at Lover's Point in Monterey, I watched Jaws, which had just come out. <laughs> I was hungry for anything ocean. So Jaws, you know, and I went to see that the night before my first open water dive. And of course, there are great whites in Monterey. I have yeah. a friend actually who was bit by one. So it may hurt interesting. I, I would recommend that to people. You know, boom, 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 boom. So that so, explains uh, why you were, and I, that explains why you were an right. air pig on your first dive, 18 minutes in and your time to go up. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Waiting for that thing to come around the corner. So yeah, and at that point, uh man, I love diving. So I, I continued on. I got my uh, advanced open water. I remember that pretty well. My uh my rescue course, my Patty Dive Master course. Um, and around that time, uh, my career, well, from graduate school, I, I ended up going to do an internship in Washington, D.C. Uh, as a, a, a technologist, uh, actually. So uh, I had to put diving on a hold for a while and uh, went to Washington and then uh, picked it up again when I, I came back. And what's, a, what's, a, what's a technologist? What's a technologist? Ah, technologist. Someone who, so I, I went to work. Um, we had a program. I was in a program called the uh, 
At the time, it was called the Engineering Economic Systems Department at Stanford. Mm. And it was a cross-disciplinary program with math and modeling and looking at uh, computer networking and, and macroeconomics and things like that. Um, so I went to, we had a relationship with uh, people on the Hill and NOAA. So I went to work for Senator Ted Stevens, and I was an economist on his staff and his representative to the Office of Technology Assessment, which was a congressional office that uh, analyzed and looked at the impact of new technologies uh, and so the, to inform the senators so they could make good, you know, rational policy decisions, legislative decisions. So, uh, so you were. So that's what I did. So I was you, focused you, on technology. Yeah. So you, you were the young kid that knew everything about new technology while the old farts that were running the show uh, didn't have a clue. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. Something like that. That's how I feel nowadays with my phone. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, right. It's the youngsters who know how to do all this stuff, right? Yeah. The power users. So, um, but you know that that perspective, um, and I, and then I came back to California and I was in the computer industry uh, before getting back into diving. Mm. So, um, I actually brought that perspective with me into diving because what was happening at the time was that there was new technology. It wasn't really new. It had been around, developed by the military, uh, the U.S. Navy in the 30s. Uh, and I'm speaking of mixed gas technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, they developed it because they needed to go deeper to rescue sailors from down subs. Then in uh, the 1960s, the commercial divers, you know, uh, went to mix because they're, you know, they're, they're getting to the limits of air diving and the oil fields were getting deeper than, you know, 70 meters, 80 meters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so they went to mix. And then, so what was happening is people started because of the limits of air diving, people were starting to experiment with mixed gas diving. And it seemed really clear to me that, uh, uh it was parallel to the computer revolution that had gone on. Now, you're old enough to probably remember the personal computer revolution. Oh, yeah. Uh, governments had computers to start. They were the first ones. And then the same, same paradigm. Commercial industry got computers. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, Apple, Steve Jobs and Apple came along and said, gee, we, we should give this technology to consumers and see what they do with it. Mm. And that's exactly what happened in the diving world. Mixed gas technology moved from government to commercial to being scaled down to uh, the consumer, the sport market. And uh, we we were the guinea pigs. Uh, You know, unfortunately, unlike the government and commercial diving that had tons of money, you know, uh, centralized control, uh, protocols and standards, the sport diving community, it was just a do-it-yourself, you know, you're on your own, kids. Yeah. And uh, as a result, there were there were actually a lot of fatalities in the early days from mixed gas diving uh, because people were just figuring out how to do it. It took us as a community a decade to, to sort that out. Yeah. We eventually did. But, uh, yeah, we paid the price. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> right back in those days, because if you were starting to effectively, you know, intelligently play with this gear, um, we, we just left to do your own thing. There was no kind of, uh, guidance. You were, were you mapping the way forward? Pre- pre- well, pretty much. I mean, there were, th- what I found at the time. So I got, I, I came back, you know, from Washington, very much wanted to get into diving. Mm. 
And uh, there was actually an incident that that pushed me into tech diving. There was a uh, a citizen science group called the Cordell Expeditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a group of Silicon Valley software engineers. They bought a boat. They were all divers, and so they were doing um, you know bio essays, surveys of the deep sea mounts off the coast of uh, Monterey in California, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they were looking for volunteers for an expedition. So. But you had to had to, had to have a dry suit, had to dive doubles, etc. So uh, I got myself a set of doubles. I got myself a dry suit. I you know, and I I, I went and tried out, did did some dives with these people, and I got accepted. And uh, it was just mine. You know, it was just incredible. Uh, they were doing dives to it was like 50, 50 60 meter dives <laughs> on air, no gas for deco. I mean, it was <laughs> you know, looking back now, but. I was just thrilled with it, you know. And back in the, those days, remember the the story was there's nothing to see below 40 meters, uh-huh. and you should never do decompression dives, you know, never ever. So uh, these guys were going deeper than 40 meters. There was lots of stuff to see, and they were doing decompression dives. So this got me to start looking around and realize that there were all these small groups, pockets of uh, individuals in the open water community, the cave community. And they were doing these dives, but nobody was talking about it because you weren't supposed to do it. It was taboo. And in fact, none of the publications would uh, talk about it. I I finished this expedition with Cordell and uh, wanted to do a story about it. Mm. I must have gone to 10 or 15 magazines and everyone turned me down. Really? And said, you, you're not supposed to do that. You know, you're not supposed to be doing those kind of dives. So eventually I found a brave soul, Ken Lois from Discover Diving. And uh, so he wrote, he published my story, but now without all sorts of, you know, warnings, this is beyond <laughs> the realm of sport diving. Never, never do this, never do that. But that got me going and realizing that there are all these groups doing this, but nobody was talking. Everyone was just trying to figure it out on their own, yeah. you know, going to commercial diving tables, reading the U.S. Navy manuals, stuff like that. So... I was hungry for information, and there was none. So I thought, hell, I'll I'll, I'll start a newsletter. I'll you know I'll, I'll start a magazine or a newsletter to talk about this stuff because I was so interested. And that that led me to uh, founding Aquacore, mm. my first magazine, and uh, getting going and and ending up pulling really started getting these communities to start talking together because we were really very unsafe because no one could compare notes or. You know, there's just no information. Yeah. So uh, that that was my goal from the get-go. And, and what year was this? What year did you start with AquaCore? This was, uh, I launched AquaCore in January 1990. Yeah. Back then, DEMA was in January every year. Okay. So uh, that was my first my first DEMA. Ah. And I brought my magazine. It was like, do you deep dive? Do you decompression dive? And uh, I, I remember... Uh, a group led by Al Hornsby from Patty kind of marched over to my booth and I looked at my signage and magazines and kind of pierced through it and then stormed off, you know, <laughs> sort of upset, you know. Cause again, you weren't, you weren't supposed to, even though people were doing these dives, you weren't supposed to talk about it. Yeah. Which, you know, had some logic too, cause you didn't want to, you didn't want to entice people who shouldn't be doing it, who had no experience or et cetera, to be trying these kinds of dives, mm. you know, likely to just get themselves hurt or killed. So, yeah. And I, 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 I don't know. You can, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but back in 1990, I would assume that there's not many, um, kind of guidance or, um, uh, standards on that type of diving. Um, so the agencies yeah. are going to be fearful. There were of it. no classes yet. Yeah. 
Right. There were no agencies training it. Um, I, I lucked into, uh, there was a guy named Captain Billy Deans mm-hmm. at Key West Diver. He had a dive center called Key West Diver in Key West. Um, his, uh, he's longtime uh, deep air diver. His best friend, John Ornsby, died on the Andrea Doria on a deep air dive in 1986. Uh, got tangled up in the wreck. Uh, Billy ended up recovering his body. They weren't diving together. They were diving two different teams. Yeah. Uh, Billy recovered the body. They actually filmed it coming up, bringing up on the Wahoo. Um, and that convinced Billy that there had to be a better way to do these kind of dives. Yeah. And so he started investigating, hooked up with Dr. Bill Hamilton, who had already been helping some of the cave diving community like Bill Stone and Chuck Exley and uh, some of the w, early WKPP people like Bill Gavin and Bill Maine. Mm. So uh, he created a tech center, the first uh, tech diving center in Key West. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was out there in 1991 training with them. <laughs> and the way you trained in those days, you came out, you said, I'm coming out for a week or two weeks or three weeks. And you learn to mix gas and you learn to carry stage bottles and you you just learned how to do it, yeah. uh, kind of apprenticing with Billy. And this, again, was uh, Dick Rakowski was around with the International Association of Nitrox Divers. Mm-hmm. This was before Tom Mount joined. So that was that, that was it. You just learned from other people who knew how to do it. Uh, Bill Stone with the famous Wakulla Springs 1987 project. I mean, again... 30 people, but they were just figuring out what to do and how to do it, yeah. you know, and, and Bill eventually wrote his book, which was a, a Bible for us in the early days. Yeah. Uh, the agency started coming in. I think Tom actually formed IANTD, Tom Mount, this would be, in 1992. And then from there, Andy, it was, there were really two, well, it was Andy, American Nitrox Divers International, uh, INTD, and then a couple of years, uh, and PSI, uh, Hal Watts mm-hmm. with Professional Scuba Association International. And then a few years later, I think in 1995, uh, Brett Gillum and Joe Odom formed TDI, Technical Diving International. And then from there, there, there was training agencies. Yeah. 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 That's when people started to really focus on how to train to do this, uh, type right, of diving. Right. Yeah. At, right. And it, it was a bit of a wild, it was definitely the Wild West back then. <laughs> a lot of people were dying. I mean, this was a, a real concern to us at Aquacore is that, uh, you know, there were all these spate of fatalities. Mm. Um, 1992 was particularly bad. Uh, there was a series of deaths in cave country on the Andrea Doria, and then a famous, uh, well, well-known father and son team, the Rouses, Chris and Chrissy Rouse, mm. died uh, diving a, a, a wreck called the U. Who, which later became the U-867 uh, that John Chatterton and Richie Kohler had found. Uh, it was a, you know, 60, 70 meter dive. They were diving it on air, even though they were mixed certified, but they wanted to save some money. Wow. They both lost their lives. Yeah. So there was a lot of pressure for the tech community to get its act together, you know, and stop killing people. <laughs> you know, people yeah. had to stop diving. And so, we, that was the first tech conference that year in 19, January 93. And that was the focus. Like, how do we do this safer? Uh, really, that was Aquacore's focus from the beginning, you know, mm. perform, safety and performance. Those are the two things. And, and you really can only dive as deep as you can dive deep safely. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, 
particularly for sport divers. Otherwise, it takes all the fun out of it. You know, if you get hit or don't come, you know, get hurt or don't come. Back, yeah. So. And um, if, if the thing we've got to point out here as well, or the important element here as well for those that are, you know, younger than you and I, in the 90s, the only form of information that you could get was through books and, and by people with experience. It wasn't by jumping on Google and just asking a question to find out what shit right. someone's put on Wikipedia. Right. Yeah. Um, so we're on dial-up modems. Remember those? Oh, Jesus! <laughs> I had a I had a games console in the eighties. It was a Commodore sixty four, and it took forty five minutes to load with a scratching screen that usually failed anyway. <laughs> right, <laughs> Just to watch a right. shitty pixelated plane go across. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So printed printed matter was 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 the issue. I was yeah. under. Uh, <laughs> constant pressure to get the issues out quicker uh it was always hard because i had to raise the money you know pay the printer i had to get advertising etc but uh, people were hungry for information back then and again you, you couldn't just go online there there were um forums right CompuServe and other forums text-based forums hmm. but there wasn't a, a visual web yeah uh, like there is today yeah yeah and so, um, how, do you remember the first issue? I mean, you must remember the first issue. Have you still got a copy of the first issue? Yeah, I've, I've well, yet. of course I do. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I don't have a lot of issues left, but uh, yeah, I, the first issue is called Under, Under Pressure. Yes, and uh, and the the lead story was. Uh, Call it, let's call it high-tech diving. This was uh, Bill Hamilton's term for it. Right. It really wasn't high technology. It was, you know, technology that had been around for 60 years, but it was new to the sport community. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it sort of took off from that. Um, I had a lot of great advisors, people like Bill, Bill Hamilton, Bill Stone, uh, others who got involved with us. Um, yeah. For days and um, heady times, yeah. At at, at what point was there a turning point um, where all of a sudden there was a a, a kind of explosion explosion of attention on the magazine? Because this is clearly something that's significantly new and very important within the diving industry. Yeah, um, what happened? Interesting, and and it involves the name tech diving too. So, in the early days, again, we call it advanced diving, you know, high-tech diving, we didn't know what to call it, but there was a great constant, great upset. Uh, the, the recreational diving community was not happy with tech diving coming out of the closet. <laughs> uh, Skin Diver Magazine went on a whole rampage against nitrox, against deep diving, um, etc. cetera. Uh, and, and, and it was fueled by fatalities, you know, that there are fatalities. Mm. And so they didn't want anything to do with tech diving. So we needed something to call it. It clearly wasn't recreational diving, what to call it. And, uh, we cast about, and as I mentioned earlier, I have friends who are tech rock climbers, technical climbing, where you'd, you'd rate a rock face. This is a 5.10 or a 5.8, you know, based on yeah. degrees of difficulty. And it just seemed to have the right ring for what we were doing, technical diving. And I even envisioned a time where you would be able to rate dives based on their degree of difficulty. You know, why not? So <clears throat> I, in in our winter, uh, the fall of 1991, mm. I published, you know, I used the technical diving on the magazine. So what happened was Patty, meanwhile, was getting all these queries from people as this was coming out, like, 
when's Patty going to do some of this? So that fall, Drew Richardson, who was then a vice president of Patty, mm-hmm. of course, he's now the CEO, penned an article in the Undersea Journal, which, you know, had huge distribution, uh, called Technical Diving, Does Patty Have Its Head in the Sand? <laughs> I think I was quoted in the article and stuff. And that put it on the map. You know, it was like, boom, that cemented the name and got everyone is like, what's technical diving? You know, so that that was like 1992. So that was really an inflection point up yeah. that people uh, started getting into. You this must stuff. be quite, yeah. quite proud of that little element as well. You know, what's technical diving? Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> I became sort of the, I don't know, the archivist, you know, archivist and the scribe of technical diving. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just writing about it. And, and you know, our, the whole philosophy with the magazine, too, was to aim it. I wanted to, we were aimed at the Bill Stones and the Billy Deans and the Sheck Exleys and those people to read it and those people to write for it. Mm. And then my strategy was everyone else could just, you know, if they were interested, they would move their way up. So that was kind of the approach I took with Aquacore. Yeah. And it's it's actually an approach I take with my magazine today in depth is is sort of Aquacore for the 21st century. At least I think of it that way, but that that same formula, you know, to to write for the people who really care about this and are, you know, really into it. Yeah. You know, and then It's the same reason I started this podcast, just for you know to to feed inquisitive minds. And it's so addictive. Yeah. Exactly. So addictive. So that was a nice little lead-in. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about in-depth. When did that one first come into uh, play? So in-depth, uh, we started. We're, we're just completing our fourth year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a project. You know, I got. I, I took it after Aquacore went out of business in 1996. Uh, I went on a hiatus, uh, just being a reporter. I wrote for Wired magazine, Scientific American, Newsweek a lot of the business magazines, et cetera, mm. and got back, came back to diving about 2010. I started writing again. Um, and Jared Jablonski was from GUE, the founder of GUE was an old friend of mine from back in the day. And we started talking about the possibility of, of creating a new sort of magazine that wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, GUE had its membership magazine called Quest. It still does. Yeah. But kind of a broader magazine for the whole tech community. And we got talking about it. And, uh, 2018, we, it was sort of time. And so we just decided to push it out there. It would be an online magazine, a monthly magazine and, uh, hosted by GUE, but not for GUE necessarily. Mm. It really is aimed at the whole broader tech and mission oriented diving community, scientific diving, that sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, so we started it, Monthly Magazine, and uh, here we are four years later. We, we started without any advertising or sponsors uh, for the first year, and then the second year we added sponsors. And, and then this last year I uh, added a team of people. Uh, prior to that, it was just myself, and I had a couple of people to help me implement it, Amanda White, who was the GUE marketing director at the time. Mm. And then this last spring, uh, I brought on some people, uh, production director and art director, et cetera. So now we have about the four or five of us uh, producing the magazine and, and love yeah, it. And yeah, and obviously keeping you rather busy. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> and, and it's the only tech diving magazine on the planet. I mean, all the other magazines, of course, have tech in them. Yeah. But they're general purpose. And uh, so we're kind of freed from that. We're just... 
focused on, on, on tech and kind of high end diving and, and the likes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about the, um, the people that might be listening to the show right now that aren't necessarily tech orientated just yet, but are starting to get inquisitive about it? Is, is in depth a good place for them to start? Very much so. I mean, we, uh, you know, good question. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, if you were just starting, it, it will point you. All our articles, we we're and we I, we've taken this approach on purpose. We we there it's information dense, so we have hyperlinks to stories. Each issue we have uh, each story we have a dive deeper section, so you can pers- if you're interested in this, you can go further, etc. Um, so I you know I, I I think it is a good resource for 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 people who are interested in this. Yeah. Uh, we don't pull any punches and we don't dumb stuff down at all. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, and and I magazines tend to do that in diving. I don't know why. You know, just because someone's a new diver doesn't mean they're a new human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and you have to kind of make it real simple. Uh, a lot of you know, obviously, our sport tends to be more well-heeled people, more educated people, et cetera, because mm. uh, it takes money to be a, a diver. Mm. So we, you know, have a lot of intelligent, cool people in our, in our world. And, uh, yeah, so we, tr- we try to appeal to those people. Yeah, and to be fair, the people that stay within diving and, and do it as a pastime that they very quickly get addicted to tend to have uh, the yes. mindset of being able to understand a little bit of the technical structure of the components you're using. So I, I was going to say one of the things I love about tech diving mm. in particular, it makes it a little different than recreational, maybe that it just has all the elements, right? It's got science, it's got technology, it's got spirit, mm. it's got just the Zen of being there in the water. So t- to me, some of the uh, academic aspects of diving uh, physiology and everything else kind of add to the richness of it mm. to, for me yeah anyway. yeah yeah but, you know back in the day in the early days it, it was sort of binary you know there was recreational diving mm. and technical diving and the, nothing in between yeah whereas now i think things have changed just because of our community's experience and knowledge you know and back then you'd walk into a store and ask about helium or oxygen, you know, oxygen, Phil, what's that? (laughs) We don't do oxygen. Whereas now you can walk into pretty much any dive center, dial up your mix, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. I I think it's more a continuum these days. You know, there's just sport diving and it really kind of depends on what you want to do. You know, how deep do you want to go? What do you want to go see? Mm. And if you want, oh, you want to do that? Well, here's the training and tools you need. You know, it's, it's sort of wide open, uh, to, fill people's imaginations and and their interests you know to yeah and th- that's a point to go wherever they want it's all available yeah and that was a point i'm gonna gonna, gonna come on there as well that um you know that the, that mass gap that chasm between technical and recreational isn't there anymore you know I, i've only got to go down to chowder bay here at, in sydney or um manly beach and you can see ccr's lined mm. up for recreational divers that are just going to go and have a play for a few hours it's um Mm-hmm. It's it's no longer a, a, a massive bridge. Yeah, we've we've talked about that. You know, ten, ten years ago, actually, at Re- Breather Forum Three, the uh, you probably remember this. There was a big push on the recreational rebreather. Yeah. You know, we save maybe closed circuit rebreathers, which use pure oxygen and a little more complicated for tech diving. Yeah. But you'd have semi-closed rebreathers, which just sort of bleed the gas in and uh, use a single gas like nitrox. 
Uh, they're much easier, much simpler to use. And so the thinking was that that was, you know, every like, why wouldn't you be on a rebreather? It's quieter. You get extended gas. But it never really materialized. Mm. Um, I, I, I think it still might. Um, one, of, one of the things about diving that's interesting, it, it's a conundrum. Mm. Most of the world is water, <laughs> 70%, and increasingly more as everything melts. Yeah. Right? We are the people that go underwater, so we're really important in some ways, but we're just like this tiny little group of, you know, 0.0001 humans. Yeah. Um, but as a result of that, there's no, there's no investment in diving. There's no money or very little money. And therefore, product life cycles, you know, you buy a rebreather, it's good for six or eight or 10 years. I don't know. You know, whereas uh, our computers, our watches, you know, have six month life, you know, mm. life cycle of a year. Yeah. Right? And they're all. So, so diving moves very slowly. Uh, just again, because there's not hundreds of millions of dollars poured into it. Um, uh, a colleague of mine, Darcy Kieran, with the uh, Business of Diving Institute, uh, estimates that the whole diving market is about if you if you take away travel because that is a little more complicated. It's about four billion dollars a year of equipment and training. Mm. Four billion. That's like iPhone sales for a week. yeah. You know, yeah. you know, it's 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 time. So. So it, it's taken a while for, for things to progress, but, but they are, mm. you know, like nitrox. I, I mean, nitrox has become pretty ubiquitous and there's not really a good reason to dive air ever, mm. but though people still do for, for finances and, you know, just location and stuff. But so, I, yeah, so I, I think it's, we're moving in that way where for the small percentage of us who breathe underwater, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, yeah. It's, it, it, it's actually a bit of an eye opener when you think of it on a larger scale like that, isn't it? Uh, I think there's a lot of divers. Yeah. You know, you look at um, like I'm, I'm one of the uh, the guys that assists in running the group in Texas. There's like over seven and a half thousand divers just in Texas, and over four thousand here in 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 Sydney. And you think, well, oh, there's there's a lot more people than what you think. But then when you put it on that that form, you know, four billion a year. That's it. Yeah. Not that big at all. I think they were estimating, uh, he was estimating that same study about 7 million active divers globally, which sounds like a huge yeah. number. But, you know, act, but it gets into fuzziness, right? The person who dives once a year on holiday or twice, yeah. which is great. There are a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of those, right? But uh, dedicated diving every week divers, yeah. there, there aren't. You know, we're just we're a small population. Yeah, the, the, I don't know why because it's so fun. The, yeah, I think everyone will want to do it. Well, there, there must be a lot of uh, numbers in there as well that are just people that have done their ticket when they've been backpacking in Asia twenty five years ago or whatever. And, yeah. You know. yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, speaking of, we speaking of diving. Uh, we've we've talked about the magazines. What about you? What are you still diving? Do you get chance to get out and go diving? <laughs> I am. No, I, I definitely do. Uh, I've gone back and slowly, um, well, I went back a few years ago, maybe five, six years ago, and because I had been cave diving for a while and got my recert, you know, recertified as a full cave diver. Mm. So I love cave diving. Uh, out here, shipwreck diving, certainly. So 
I, I try to dive as much as I can, but it's it's not always as much as I want. <laughs> right? you know? yeah. But yeah, still active diving. I uh, I think last year, the year before, I I went. I've been trying to do my GUE certs as well since since I work with GUE. So I got my Tech One and etc. And just uh, just got recertified on the Liberty Rebreather. I'd been certified about a decade ago on the uh, AP, mm. the Inspiration. Uh, and so recently just did the, uh, the dive soft and waiting for my unit to show up. Ah, okay. What do you think of the dive soft? It must be yeah. pretty sexy. I, I think it's, I think it's a really great machine. They're a very innovative, uh, company. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think they've helped move rebreather technology forward and, and, and all rebreather technology has, 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 has advanced, you know, from, you know, rebreathers came out about 20, the late 1990s, mm. Martin Parker's uh, AP Inspiration uh, uh, was in 1998, and I think the Kiss 1999, followed by everyone else. I mean, today there, I think there are 25, 26 manufacturers globally wow. for a small market. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of them are very small, uh, but you know they've gotten much more reliable than than 20 years ago i think re- rebreathers have yeah 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 i think that's it as, as technology advances and you know people um learn more about it the techie geeks get their nose into how things work it's right. you know it's a no-brainer it's just right. gonna get safer yeah. and, and and we've gotten safer too it's not just been the equipment i mean i i would say most of the problems probably diving in general but certainly with rebreathers are human factors, right? Mm. It's not the machine breaks and you you die. It's you forget to turn on your oxygen yeah. or don't pack your scrubber. or And so the use of checklists, which was a big emphasis a decade ago, I think that has helped. And just awareness, um, you know, what Gareth Locke uh, from Human mm. Diver calls creating a just culture where we can share our mistakes and and all learn from them without blame or judgment. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think we're, I think we've made improvements. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I think Gareth's doing an amazing job in, in bringing that forward. You know, it's, it's that, um, yep. you know, having the, the balls to say, right, the awkward conversations are the conversations we need to have rather than avoid, you know? <laughs> right. Um, mm-hmm. and it's good. I just took his, um, his in-person seminar. Mm. Uh, I mean, I had, you know, taking online stuff and read the books. And I've, I've, I've met Gareth about a, a decade ago when he was just getting started. But I took the actual two day online seminar. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was really a, a good, a good, ex- great experience. Yeah. Now. Yeah. To see all these <clears throat> principles play rather than being lectured about, you know, uh, these various concepts, you could actually see them in play while you work through the simulation with your team. Yeah. You know? Did you do the, like the asteroid uh, simulation? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. With the gem sim. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really yeah. fun. <laughs> I did the um, yeah. the the, the two day. It's kind of a, a tester, isn't it? The or a taster. The essentials, where he's got the uh, three mm-hmm. five minute videos, right. and then he was down here uh, holding a um, holding a course at uh, Bondi Dive Center, and asked if I'd like to jump on it and, ah, and join in. Okay. So yeah, fantastic couple of days, and it harped back to my time in the military as well because you know it's heavily weighted especially ah. in the air force about human factors um and it's mm-hmm. it's enlightening you know to to see that people are jumping on board with it and 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 taking it forward it's it's really good 
to apply this body of knowledge to you know, which came out of military mm. and air force and to die yeah yeah and see yeah. the results that come out it's really powerful yeah and just yeah. getting rid of that um almost embarrassment factor hey yeah you're fucked up let's have a conversation about it rather than being sheepish and hiding on the boat you know <laughs> right have to give a shout out to uh, stratus costs with the book close calls okay. if people haven't read that uh Definitely uh, recommend it. It's uh, in the in the uh, spirit of human factors, uh, human diver. It's uh, stories of about 66, 67 high-profile diving individuals and close calls and mistakes that they made. So uh, it's 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 a great read. What's that one called again? Yeah, the, the whole idea is if if the top uh, close calls, close calls, it's called. Uh, yeah, you can Google it. It'll come up, but it's a, it's really good reading. And uh, again, uh, about 60 individuals from around the world, you know, pe- people you would know, uh, and, and mistakes they made. So, uh, and screwed up. I, I have a story in there, an embarrassing story, but you know, that's the point. You know, we don't, we don't go out and plan to screw up <laughs> or do something stupid and die or get hurt, but we're humans. So we're valuable. And so. Errors happen, and uh, we need to create systems so that, as Gareth says, we fail safe. So you screw up, but you don't die as a result. <laughs> you just you just get a good lesson. You go, holy shit, I won't do that again. Well, I know you mentioned seeing I've just picked up on that. You said that you've got a, a story in the book yourself, and uh, I urge people to go and read the book. I do. But let's have it from the horse's mouth. What's the story, brother? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah, my embarrassing story. So... Interestingly, uh, so I was, I was, I, this was, it came right after my cave class. So I, I was up in cave country doing, you know, a recertification with the uh, National Speleological Society cave diving section, you know, diving, uh, we were up there diving. Um, so just had finished that. Uh, and I was going to go down to the Keys for a couple of days. And a friend of mine who's a dive instructor and runs the history of diving museum down there said, let's go diving. You know, it's like, great. So, I think it was in the summer, it was warm, but I, I just had all my cave gear, so I just brought that. She was a recreational diver, mm. but I didn't have anything else to dive. So, And uh, right before that, like a day or two before, I got a call from Gareth or an email saying, hey, you know, I'm looking for close call stories. If you know of any or have any, you know, let me yeah. know. So I didn't respond because I didn't, didn't think of anything. Anyway, so uh, long story short, so we we – we're diving on the Spiegel Grove. There's some current. We do our first, and I have a pair of aluminum 80s. I mean, I've been diving 104s and 120s all yeah. week. So my mindset was, you know, lots of gas. <laughs> aluminum 80s don't have that much gas. Uh, but anyway, we went down uh, the wrecks, the deck of the wrecks at about 30 meters. Uh, there was some current. We, we went down, swam around, and came back up, and I was just... I, I I had like half my gas, you know, so equivalent of an aluminum 80. And so we're going to do a second dive. There's no gas to be had on board, no stage bottles, no nothing, no refill. <laughs> People just, you know, my, my dive partners swapped out tanks. And I thought, well, you know, I just have this funny feeling like, yeah, that's not really enough gas. But I thought, well, hell, it, it's a recreational dive. You know, we'll go down 30 minutes, we'll swim around a few minutes and come up. No yeah. big deal, right? So we go to the, and, and I, and there were peer, there was peer pressure too, because I hadn't dived with her before. And it's like, you know, 
what, I'm going to be a dick and go, nah, nah, I'm going to sit up this next dive. I don't have enough gas. So, so I went. Yeah. Uh, so as, as we were going to jump, she jumped in first. And, uh, as I was about to jump in, the dive master handed me a line and said, do not let go. So I jumped in and it was like this ripping, I mean, it was like flagpole, <laughs> you know, like your, like your mask. With yeah. So there was a group decompressing. There were some tech divers decompressing at, at three meters. So we actually literally had to climb over them because if you let go, done. you would yeah. be history. Yeah. And what's worse is when I jumped in, had a new pair of fins and my fin came off my foot. <sighs> it's the strap stayed on, but the foot, my foot popped out of the pocket. So this, <laughs> so I tried to get it as like, there's no way I can deal with this. I have to go down to the bottom and then I'll yeah. fix it. So, you know, we climbed over and climbed down the rope because you couldn't let go. We get to the wreck and I look and it's like, you know, I'm going to eat 900 PSI. Jesus. I thought, oh, no, we'll just do a quick and then up, yeah. right? But I didn't communicate this well to my partner. And she started swimming off. And there's a door in the wreck that we had done early in the morning. And she's swimming off to go in this door. And it's like, no, <laughs> no. I'm flashing my light. She doesn't didn't respond. Um, another little fault. An- another contributing factor. We didn't really go over light signal. You know, I'm tech diver, so I got my light and signals. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, is recreational. Loving it. Anyway, she was going in. So I... That decision at that moment saved my life. I think I thought I better go get her. So I, I swam hard, chased her down, grabbed the fin just as she went inside. You know, said, call the dive. We got it. We got to go up. Turn to exit. You know, now gas was getting low and God, it was a long swim. And suddenly I'm breathing and it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's like, fuck. <laughs> You know, and but I had get my gauge set. I still had you know like three or four hundred psi, but it was not coming yeah. out. You know, so I, at that point, I had this existential moment of like, "Holy shit, I can't breathe water! Yeah. What am I going to do?" You know. So fortunately, she was following me. I hit the line. I signaled out a gas, and and we shared uh, her aluminum eighty gas going up. I was horribly embarrassed. Yeah. And it just, you know, it was just one of those. And I was worried still, like, getting to the surface. I had no, if we got separated, something happened, you know, there's no buoyancy. I would just drown. So, or we both would. Jesus. So, um, anyway, I made it to the top. Dive master, are you okay? It's like, no, I'm not fucking okay. <laughs> I'm out of here. Any, anyway, and then once I got on, once I actually got on board, there was, a, I had a little gas yeah. left. Uh, I think it was just a pressure thing. Yeah. So, yeah, so about two days later, I woke up in the middle of the night. I was still in the Keys and like in a cold sweat, realizing that, holy shit, you know, I, I almost died. I could have very easily died in that scenario, you know. Uh, yeah. So I called Gareth <laughs> from in the middle of the night, which was morning in the UK, and said, Gareth, I got a story for you. Yeah. So that's, Don't that's ever all. ask me for a story again before I go diving. <laughs> Right down, right. So what was interesting, though, more interesting is like within an hour of this happening, I get, you know, just because I'm a known person already in cave country, I got a call from my instructor, one of my instructors saying, I heard you had a little drama today. (laughs) So anyway, so interesting, too, on the 
question of just culture. So I got my cave card sent to me and I was supposed to get a double card, a, an agency, which shall go unnamed. I was, I done the class and I was going to get both cave from both yeah. of them, but I never got the agency card. And so eventually I called the, that instructor and I said, uh, well, I was supposed to get the card. What happened? He goes, well, we heard about your little incident and we, we don't feel you're ready for a cave card yet. Yeah. You need to do a little more work <laughs> before you get it. It was like, ouch, ouch. Oh, wow. So anyway, that's, that's the story. Yeah. Oh dear! Judgment. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, that's that <laughs> anyway. So judging after the after the course is done, <laughs> right? Right. You know. So so you know. I never thought I would run out yeah. of gas, but you can you can definitely <laughs> run out of gas. No, well, thankfully, you were diving with a with a woman. You know, she's probably got a full tank still when you're out. Uh, plenty of air to share. Yeah, no, she was very cool, Lisa, my friend Lisa. Yeah, yeah she was very cool and was there and did all the right stuff. So uh, again, that, that could have been a disaster situation if she had not followed me back and, uh, I turned around and there was no one there. Yeah. Uh, you'd have been- I guess I could have gone for the surface, but that would not be so good either. Yeah. So, yeah. And I would have been, and with the current, I would have, <laughs> <I would've, laughs> that would have been it. I've never seen the been boat. Passing yet. your way to Mexico. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so what's, um, what, on your diving front, have you got a particular style of diving that you prefer? Are you do you go out and seek cave diving more than anything more else? More and more, I find I I I I'm more a cave diver, I think, than a sh- I, shipwrecks are cool. I, I guess I'm more a natural mm. person, uh, nature, uh, caves, reefs, walls. That I, I like that stuff yeah. more. I found in my later years, I'm I, I was up in Canada diving uh, this spring it was like six degrees and i didn't have heat you know i just had all my underwear my 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 underwear on i, I find warm water diving it's really not <laughs> like the work i'm moving i'm becoming more of a whip yeah. diver, more of a recreational tech a tech creation yeah. diver, i think in, in my old age but uh, i just love being in the water i mean i'm a free diver as well baby free diver and swimmer mm. It's just great, you know, just, just being in the waters. Yeah, good. it's my zen place. I mean, even if I'm not diving, I, I tend to go down to the pool mm-hmm. and just, if I've got a lot of things to think about and what I've got to do for the week, I'll just do 50, 100 laps and think about everything and just get the head in the right space, good to go. Yeah. 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 I can totally relate to yeah. that. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned yep. uh, Canada. I was... Um, I was only having a chat last week with a good mate of mine, Phil. He's um, he, he started out as a customer of mine, and then he's he's turned into a good buddy. And um, uh, he lives in Canada and works in the oil fields, and you know it's bloody cold. And COVID has forced him into having a dive in Canada. So he's gone from seeking out warm water diving with me all the time to having to get a dry suit on and having to go in cold water. <laughs> and he's actually started to enjoy it, to my surprise. Yeah, that- I think. I mean, cold cold water diving is beautiful. Yeah, you know? and there's certainly some great, incredible places. But it, but it is nice <laughs> and easier just to be in a skin, you know. Oh, yeah. and <laughs> We're heading out to Indonesia in December. Me and the missus just have a couple of weeks out there. Thirty, 30 degrees every no. day. I don't know, sixteen to twenty three degree water. Perfect. That'll do for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's, let's jump onto the. Um, Rebreather four. Ah, the rebreather yeah. four. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Yeah. So this is a meeting really bringing together industry people, uh, you know, vendors, instructors, people professionally involved with rebreathers, and then the science community. There'll be a science meeting at its core. And it's really to help move our knowledge forward, our understanding of rebreather technology and its uses with the goal of improving safety and performance. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's been a lot of uh, research and works uh, from over the last 10 years since the last one. Uh, at that time, 10 years ago, uh, the sport diving, the rebreather community was a bit of in a bit of a crisis in that there was a lot of fatalities. Mm. Uh, in fact, uh, Dr. Andrew Falk from Melbourne, uh, Adelaide, Melbourne, Melbourne, I believe he's based mm -hmm. in a uh, hyperbaric doc and a rebreather diver. Um, did a paper for the forum that estimated, and you've probably heard these stats, that diving a rebreather, you're, you're 10 times more likely to die diving a rebreather than open circuit scuba. So anyway, the, the, uh, there's been a lot of new science. I think safety, as we've talked about, has improved. Um, you know, some of the initiatives like checklists we want to revisit. And the new one, of course, is mouthpiece retaining strength. Mm. These are standard in military rebreather diving. And the idea is if you lose consciousness, you won't lose your mouthpiece and drown immediately. So you're, you're savable yeah. at that point. Um, so there's been, again, work on that. Uh, and there's a question of the efficacy of these things. But uh, again, there's been work on that, looking at full face masks as well with like the Thai rescue. Um, there's new technologies, uh, solid state sensors have improved other mm. things. So, so it's a time to get people together and kind of, uh, Go through the science. We, my science team for this is uh, Dr. Simon Mitchell, Dr. Neil Pollack, uh, Dr. Franka Tillman from uh, Dan uh, US, uh, Dan World, and John Clark from the Navy Experimental Diving Unit. He's the retired scientific wow. So they put together the program, and the idea is we'll have kind of the best people representing all these different topics within rebreather diving focused on safety physiology the technology itself and then training so we expect about 300 people give or take we're going to video it as well as uh, have a, a scientific proceedings mm. uh, the video won't be live video but after the event uh, we'll we'll have on-demand video uh to to be available for people yeah that'd so, be awesome yeah, so the, the purpose is really to kind of advance our, the community's use and the military. Well, we're not only, we're, we're really featuring the, uh, the groups that use rebreathers, which are tech divers, scientific divers, and military mm -hmm. divers. I mean, commercial divers have some use of rebreathers, but it's, it's basically a bailout, bailout system for SAP mm -hmm. divers. So, uh, which is very different than, than dive, diving a rebreather. Yeah. So. Yeah, so we'll have those communities represented, and uh, and we're going to hold it in Malta this year. The first three rebreather forums were held in the U.S., and it just seemed like a good time to get out of the U.S. and uh, Europe. Uh, Dan Europe is a client of mine, uh, you know, editor with mm -hmm. them, etc. So they seemed a natural group to host, to be one of our hosts. Um, so they're a sponsor. Dan in the U.S. is a sponsor. Patty. In Heritage Malta, mm. um, which is a quasi-government organization that controls the cultural resources, manages them like yeah. shipwrecks. So we'll have good shipwreck diving along with the, the scientists. There's some great shipwreck diving so, out there, isn't there? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
some uh, historic wrecks because they were in the middle of all the shipping channels yeah. from you know antiquity forward. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, are you, you going to have rep- uh, representatives from people that are, are, are putting this technology to use? So I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like the, the likes of Matt Carter with the um, Marine Projects Foundation, and you know. Um, I talked to him. I think he, he he's going to be there. We'll, we'll have vendors mm. there too. I should say we'll have an ex, you know exhibit area for people to bring their rebreathers, and there'll be you know we have a pool for demos and try downs mm. uh, and the like. Mm. So yeah, I think so. I think it'll be kind of the the professional leadership, yeah. if you will, of the dive the, on the sports side, of the sport industry, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not necessarily needing people there that. that use the stuff. I mean, the, the, the people that are going to be there are going to know how it's used anyway, aren't they? Yeah. Right. Well, they're, they're, so there'll be both users, some of the top explorers. I mean, people like Richard Harris and Craig Challen from the Wet Mules. Uh, one of our presenters is going to be Andy Pitkin, who's an anesthesiologist and a explorer with the Karst Underwater Research. They're doing these huge, big push dives in Florida and in the U.S., uh, we'll have some of the military. Kevin Gurr, probably someone you, yeah. you've heard of, uh, he had developed rebreathers and now he actually has developed uh, a military rebreather. He works for Avon Protection and, uh, works kind of on the military side. So he'll be there, people like that. So, uh, it should be, it should be. It sounds good. awesome. Man. Yeah. And is there a, is there an after party? Are you and Bill Stone going to be up on stage with guitars in hand again? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was so fun playing with Bill yeah, at at Aztec. There, there will be a banquet evening, and, and we'll have some music. I don't know. We'll have, maybe have to invite the Aztecs to come yeah. play <laughs> with Bill. Bill's going to be underground. Unfortunately, every spring, the reason we we were able to get Bill to come to Aztec this year was because it was in the fall. Like every yeah. spring, Bill is underground. It's Sistema Chev or Watla, yeah. you know, exploring. So uh, he'll be there during the rebreather form. So we won't, we won't be able to get him to come. I think that guy there. lives under yeah. underground. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. amazing. Bill, Bill's definitely one of my Yes, yeah. yeah. I, I, I enjoyed He's watching his uh, presentation. And unfortunately, I didn't get the chance to talk to him. Uh, one-on-one, but uh, maybe at some point in the future. Maybe even get him on the show, you never know. He'd be a good one on your pod. Yeah. He'd be a good one on Studio. Yeah. But you, go, you guys go back a fair yeah. way, eh? We do. No, he was early on, one of my heroes from early on, and uh, Wakulla Springs. That that was really, you know, out of nowhere. It was sort of like a moon, you know, from zero to hero. Mm. I mean, a moonshot in the early tech days. You know, we had Air Products as a sponsor, and uh, I have that book still, the Wakulla Springs Project 1987. That was like our Bible. We'd just pour over it and annotate it and for a long time. So I got to meet, meet him early in the day along with people like Sheck Exley and, and mm-hmm. others. So it was a very, very heady time. Bill was in our, our closed circuit. Each issue of Aquacore was themed, yeah. and this was the rebreather issue, C2. And so I had a big interview with Bill called Stone, <laughs> and uh, that was in that in that issue. So, and in fact, I remember this my my weird mind. Uh, it was the first issue that we used the word "fuck" in the issue because Bill in his interview said "fuck," and so we thought, well, we're an adult dive magazine, so we should run it. So yeah. we did. 
I, I've got into the habit now. I don't know Nowadays, I, I just I, I click that E for explicit on every podcast that I put out because <laughs> I think the word fuck is just it's just used in common day everyday language nowadays. It's not the 1980s where you get a slap around the back of the head from a small boy for using it in High Street, you know? Right, right. <laughs> right so we can yeah, that out, you? <laughs> yeah. So I'll, yeah. I'll just leave it in if it works. Bollocks to it. Bollocks. Uh. <laughs> 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 Happy days. Yeah. So what's um, what's next on the agenda for you? Um, obviously, you've got the forum coming up. Um, when? Yeah, I'm just trying to get through the year. Right? <laughs> um, lots of travel this year. Um, we're actually headed to. Well, I'm going. I'm headed on Saturday um, to uh-huh. Florida for the GUE conference, um, and they'll be showcasing a new kind of a new level of training called Project Diver, and this is training not just to go diving. But to say you want to organize an expedition on your mm-hmm. shipwrecks, how do you go about doing mm-hmm. that? Like, what do you need? How do you do it? So it's uh, training on that and then going to the GUE conference. And then, of course, DEMA is right after that. So I'll be mm-hmm. in DEMA. And then uh, at the end of November, I'm headed to Malta to do a site visit to kind of get all our final arrangements. And stuff. Uh, so what you mean is you're going to go and look at a big hall and then spend five days diving shipwrecks? <laughs> I got you. I got you. Sort of, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I made a decision a bunch of years ago, about four or five years ago now, that I was just going to do diving uh-huh. stuff, n- no corporate stuff, and I mostly stuck to that. And I'm just very happy and grateful yeah. to be doing this. It's just, uh, I think we have an extraordinary community and. You know, it's just really happy to be a part yeah. of it. So it's a great yeah. community. I mean, just uh, it's it's the great. happy place. You know, it's it's good people surrounding. You know, and it doesn't matter. It's a great. Yeah, I see diving as a great leveler. Everybody's a diver, and when you're under the water, you're just equal. You know, and I, I love that about it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Yeah. Right, matey. Um, I should sign off and, <laughs> and let you get to dinner. Is it a dinner date tonight, or are you just having a, a normal one? I do. Yeah, dinner date, some reservations. Yeah. Well, I hope it goes well for you. This has been so good talking. I feel like, I feel like we could probably go on for another hour Mate, so easily. So <laughs> easy, so easy. And and tell everybody, anyone you come across, if they want to come on the show and they've got stuff to talk about, let's do it. I just love putting it out there. Yeah. Great. Everybody's welcome. Great, yes. Hey guys, if you would like to know more about the content that Michael produces, you can click in the links in the show notes or you can head on over to the usual social media sites. And also, the in-depth magazine can be found on the GUE website at gue.com forward slash blog or in-depth.log. And you'll find more of Michael's awesome content over on the Dan Europe website. Now, If you've enjoyed today's show, don't forget to share that love with your dive buddies and let them know that we exist. If you're feeling really generous, then we would be eternally grateful for a review on Apple or Spotify. A like, a follow, and a share all go a very long way to letting us know that we're doing the right thing. Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, I wish you well on your date tonight. Yeah. Ace it, brother. And um, let's keep in touch (laughs) and and let me know how it all goes with, uh, with Malta. Sounds good. I'll definitely do that. Yes. Thank you. Happy days. Yep. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and uh, see you next time. Ciao for now. This is Scuba Goat Under the Sea, the podcast for the inquisitive diver.